Hello and welcome to the Court of Valets podcast where we are going to learn about the power of friendship and working together. <laughs> I'm Joe and I'm here with Muse. Hello. And V. Hi. We're a comic podcast that uploads weekly. You can check the show notes for which comics we'll be covering this week and their timestamps so that you can skip over those titles if it's something you haven't read yet or aren't interested in reading. So we do have a couple titles today. Some we liked, some we thought were silly, some we did not like at all. I am going to pass it right over to V with oh. Batman. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping I would like get warmed up. Okay, so y'all know him. I don't need to introduce him. James Tinian. Um, his MO so far has been really great characterization of established characters really bland new characters and crazy silly <laughs> inventions that just pop up out of nowhere like the bat train in the last <laughs> yep. issue when i saw that one it kind of reminded me of the one that he had in nightfall back in the 90s but it was it was a subway car and that one actually swapped both ways mm-hmm. so well, that's like, cool kind of referential nothing brand new but still, this one looked like it was all just a one-way train. It just has a train in the sewers. Yeah. Choo-choo. <laughs> well, it was a subway. And the way it's set up with Harley Quinn yeah. being like, I thought you guys had a special train because you never smell like us. I'm just saying, those things were silly. A little silly. So, um, yeah, in this one, we start off with Batman confronting the designer. It's basically a recap for Batman where he's explaining everything that the designer planned. So we finally get it all laid out for us exactly how it went wrong for the designer and the reason of course being, as we know, the Joker. We also knew that the designer was dead so it was odd seeing him there until Batman reveals that yes he could smell the designer was actually like a corpse and as we've seen before Joker was controlling him with his weird gas that still has not been explained. As far as this issue goes, it was okay. I can't really even give it a rating because it's rating a whole book by a page. This is just like a little transitional. This is a liminal space in this comic. Yeah. I will say the notable things, though, if you're ready for those spoilers. Punchline gets to be OP. Mm -hmm. Um, As we know, Punchline is some co-ed that uh, the Joker picked up because she wrote an essay on him, which sounds stupid, but that's because it is. And also, her... (laughs) outfit it's so bland her personality it's so bland and even though harley quinn calls it out it doesn't make it better (sighs) she's just so boring she manages to get the drop on harley they fight for a while harley makes cracks while she makes bland responses harley even uses an m16 with a grenade launcher i've already forgotten about that And she brought a hammer. And the thing is, Punchline still gets behind her and shoot, or and slits her throat. How does that happen? With a little like knife that you would probably use to cut steak with. Yeah, it's just very silly. She slits her throat, dumps her in the sewer. Catwoman is trying to fill her part of the designer's plan, which was to rob all of Wayne's fortune and put it in her account. So she goes to the underbrokerage. That's where she was heading with Harley because she wanted to steal Bruce Wayne's billion so that she could protect it from the Joker. But she didn't know that the Joker had already gotten to the underbroker and that all of her money was being drained and put into Joker's accounts instead of hers. At the end of it, of course, Punchline shoots her. 
So we have a Harley Quinn with a slit throat, and mm-hmm. we have a Catwoman who has been shot. And we have all of Bruce Wayne's money in Joker's accounts. And now Joker's worth over a billion dollars. And it's kind of terrifying. And I guess this is how he's going to be funding the whole Joker War thing that's going to be coming out? Maybe? I mean, so right now, like, all these Bat titles, anyway, are supposed to be connected into the Joker War little by little, Mm -hmm. so I'm guessing this is the setup stuff. What's going to happen to Catwoman and Harley? Because are they actually (laughs) going to kill them? They're, like, main characters, so, like, I doubt that they're going to kill them because... They have plot armor. Selena, I know they're not because they previewed issue 98, which is supposed to be a very big heartbreak issue between Selena and Bruce. Harley, I have no idea. At least Catwoman is, the main reason they did this is to get them out of the game for Joker War, maybe? Like, this is supposed to be more of a mm-hmm. bat thing, so they're, this is his way of kind of sidelining them with injuries. I don't know, it sounds like a stupid way to do it if you're planning on doing that. Well, you say that, but the stuff they've done to Batman in this arc alone, and the stuff they've done to each other, like, I don't think anyone has any real concept of what counts as a serious injury in this. You can have your throat slit on Monday and then be ready for work (laughs) by Friday. Like, that's kind of the world we're dealing with right now. So I feel like Harley is, there's no chance. They would never... She is a fan favorite. She has a franchise. She is more popular than Catwoman in the space outside of comics right now. Catwoman, even though her solo run has flopped spectacularly, she's been built up to be this very important figure for the future of Batman. So I sincerely doubt they would kill that. Plus, Ram V, Mm -hmm. working on Catwoman. Oh yeah, he's got the whole run thing going on. (laughs) That'd be terrible. (laughs) But... Harley probably be out for a while. That neck injury, that was pretty bad. But I have a feeling Catwoman got shot in the head. Meaning she got shot, but there's some kind of armoring. There was no exit wound. No, there wasn't an exit wound. And point blank gunshot would have gone straight through. And I've seen enough CSI to understand. (laughs) Like that would have been bloody. And you don't see any blood. You see her head down on the computer. So I'm going to guess... There's something bulletproof going on with her helmet. This woman, though, has had her heart actually removed from her body and had it reinstalled with magic. So (laughs) I don't think anything's impossible for Catwoman at this point. I don't know. This this is something I've been feeling with a lot of DC events on right now, which is like, I feel like I'm supposed to care. This sounds like a very big thing that's going on right now. It's getting a lot of people involved, but I just don't feel anything about it. Well, this is what happens when you saturate the market with big events. There's so many events. Like, who cares? Mm. It was really one right after the other, because we had Event Leviathan, we had Year of the Villain, we had Batman Who Laughs, we currently have Death Metal going on, we also have this Joker War thing going on. Well, this is what I've been talking about. This is one of the reasons why my faith in a lot of DC stuff has kind of dwindled recently. I'm like, really? There's nothing unique with these events. Yeah, Marvel has its problems. DC's had its problems in the past. Everyone just fluctuates at times. Right now, DC's in a bit of a creative slump. I hope the 5G kind of fixes some of this, but I especially seeing the track record since New 52. New 52 is a train wreck. Rebirth mm-hmm. has been a slow train wreck. It's been like a painful it's death. It started like slow, good, just... apparently, and then it's just started dwindling down again. It, and they have all these tiny events, and you're like, why do I care? Also, I find it ironic that 
Tinian gets right early on into his Justice League Dark run. He had an event, but it was a really small event. It was mostly between Justice League Dark and Wonder Woman. Oh, right. Witching Hour. But it was short, and it wasn't, like, super marketed, like, oh, my God, Witching Hour was, like, there's a crossover event going on, and it's going to be important, and it was important to Justice League Dark. I don't know how much it was into Wonder Woman, but then he has this one, and we're only a couple of issues in, a little more than Justice League Dark, because it was, like, issue three when we got Witching Hour, and we're getting Joker War. Starting next issue, or 95? Joker War started last week. Okay. Or the last Batman issue issue 92 that was the start of it so all this stuff is like leading into joker war but it's still kind of part of joker war but the actual one i think is gonna have his own title okay that's what i thought i know we mentioned a bunch of bat people being involved in this but i have one question for you that i didn't think about and i'm surprised i didn't can you hear my cat oh my gosh baby i saw the door open Mm -hmm. as she wandered in but the one question, is Tim going to be in this? Because you maybe you didn't think about that till now, as if Tim's never on your mind. <laughs> well, he hasn't really been involved in a lot of bat stuff recently, because Bendis has like a monopoly over that boy right now. And he's only in Young Justice, that's it. Tinian didn't mention anything about Tim, which, you know, he loves that boy too, so. Are we even doing anything with Damien? We Damien haven't heard anything about Damien. Batman, doesn't he? I think Teen Titans is a tie-in. But no, because Damien's currently in heaven right now, remember? What? Oh, God. I'm in the Teen Titans. <laughs> what the heck? Is everyone hanging out with God lately? <laughs> well, yeah, because then in last week's Wonder Woman, Phantom Stranger brought Wonder Woman to heaven. Oh, that was the Wonder Woman fighting God thing. That's right. I got that confused with Justice League, where they also dock with God. I just wish they would leave God alone. I've never said that before in my life. I'm sure they does, too. <laughs> Listen, if, you, if you've never opened a Bible, like, maybe just leave those deities alone. Just any deity that means something to other people that you don't know anything about, you should just, like, walk away. That's my personal opinion. Like, you had a perpetua person to be, like, the god of your world, Mm -hmm. right? So, I heard some people talking, and they were like, the rumor is that god is the source behind the source wall. The god created perpetua and everything. But Joe says, perpetua created god. Or at least the space for god to go to, because perpetua created a whole multiverse. And created the World Forger, created the Monitor, created the Anti-Monitor, created a place for the Olympians and the Titans. But God created everything, because he is the Alpha and Omega. But apparently, so is Perpetua. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think the same terms apply to the DC Universe, where there's so much religious stuff blended in with each other. Tell me this, where is Perpetual right now? That's the thing, I don't remember. Last I saw was the Hell Arisen event between Lex Luthor and Batman Who Laughs, and Chuckles decides to convince Perpetua, hey, Lex isn't going to win against me. Let me be your pawn here. Let me help you bring this. Let's just work together. I know that you're trying to stop me, but let's work together on this. I'm so confused because this is where I left off with a lot of these people. All right, so... Perpetua was this really big, looming threat, right? And I thought everyone was concerned about her. But everyone has gone back to business as normal as if she didn't exist. That was my main thing with the end of the Justice League arc. 
when Snyder left it, the whole Justice League ran through this portal created by these, these Sentinel guys mm-hmm. saying, like, in order to stop Perpetua, you guys have to go to all these events that you weren't there for. And that's when they showed the panels of, like, the Terrifics, of Young Justice, of uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws, like, all these different things. And they're like, okay. And they run through the portal, and then Issue comes out from Venditti, and it's just another Wednesday now. Uh, Radicator is coming down to Earth with a bunch of Daxamites to colonize Earth. Okay, so this is going to be kind of like the new gods. They're out there, and they're horrifying, but for some reason they just, like, gave up on colonizing Earth, but then sometimes they're into it and sometimes they're not. I thought maybe it was, like, just going to continue in Death Metal. Because Death Metal, I read the first issue, and, you know, it has a Batman who laughs, and he does mention Perpetua. Okay. And what I was saying about how he's now Perpetua's pawn to bring about this chaos into the multiverse. Which brings in my second point, which is, I thought the Joker, our Joker, was horrified by the Batman who laughs, Mm -hmm. and was going to try to protect the Earth from him because he did not like what the Batman who laughs was going to bring into his universe. Mm -hmm. And now he's obsessed with taking down Batman for funsies. Yeah, and that's where I don't understand like why everything's being ignored. And that's just something I've realized with a couple of these events, which is that it's big for the moment. They have all these tie-ins, but then they all still just go about their separate ways. Like if you think about Year of the Villain, you think about Event Leviathan, nothing stuck. Mm-mm. The villains had like their little one-shot things. They have maybe another gift available now, but nothing actually stuck from those events. That's the biggest issue, I think, with a lot of DC events. They don't stick. Like, what's the point of them? Oh, are they just to sell more money and for Mm -hmm. people to buy a bunch of comics from different lines? Like, from what I've seen recently, because there was a phase, like, with the Civil War II and stuff, that was a train wreck. Every Marvel person says, like, terrible. Don't read it. But... Recently, like, we had the War of the Realms event that was a huge Marvel-wide thing. Like, similar to Joker War, there was um, mainline comics about the event, and you could read some one-off things. There would maybe be some things interacting with other storylines. And then from there, spawn other stories, like Agents of Atlas. And Mm. it got so popular having a mini-series from that. They got a 12-issue series, and I think people are clamoring for more, so I think we're going to get more of them. Strike Force came from that as well. Not the best, but still, you get other storylines coming from that. It seems like the same thing is going to happen with Empire, which is happening right now. Thank God we're finally getting it. Marvel really tries to connect a lot of it in and then create other storylines from it, and other things bounce off of that. They're referenced well, that's usually what would happen with past DC stories, like weird. Identity Crisis and the Infinite Crisis stuff, exactly. and Zero Hour, like all these other past events that have happened. Thrown out the window and said, "Money." <laughs> <laughs> well, they they are kind of referencing like some of the things, and mm-hmm. I almost wish they wouldn't because if the bigger plot points didn't have an impact on these characters' day to days, then I don't want them to also be like. Oh, yeah, I got that brief face when that Leviathan thing went down. Yeah. Because well, I don't care about you having that briefcase. I just care <laughs> that nothing happened from that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
the impacts are so stupid and but they're there and i just wonder too because like i forget who said it it was some writer in the comic industry saying how they'll be writing up their stories all their different arcs and all of a sudden they'll be like hey there's this giant event happening and we need you to tie this into your own stories now oh yeah marguerite scott was saying Mm -hmm. that like she was talking about she was on batgirl and like it got so frustrating because she would have this whole arc plan she's doing all her work and they would just be like um we're changing directions we just had a batman summit and uh nothing is the way it was so you have to change mid story Mm -hmm. it's like that geico commercial where he's printing all of the the signs and he's like oh we're changing our slogan it's like what exactly yeah If you want these events to be important and be referenced in continuity, you need to talk to your writers. But that was also the problem that I had, like, during Gear of the Villain, like, with Batman and The Flash. Like, they had this going on in Justice League. They also had the actual Gear of the Villain titles, but then they also had their own major story arcs going on. So it's like, how are they in all these different places at once? Which is taking more precedence over the other? And now with this Joker War thing with Batman, I don't care. Tinian does a good job writing Joker. He does a good job writing Harley. He's a, I would say, slightly above average writer. I don't hate his stuff, but I'm not absolutely in love with his stuff either. And I feel like that's a pretty good place to be in because if you don't really have much to complain about, you're kind of doing good. Well, you know, I always enjoy when writers, like, crack up and Mm -hmm. and make weird things happen. And Tinian doesn't disappoint. He does weird stuff. It makes me laugh and scream. But at the end of the day, like, he is still a solid storyteller. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I'm not, like, hard eyes every time, like, I see any written word by him. But I do get really happy when I get to read him instead of, like the majority of writers right now are subpar it sounds mean to say but the majority of them are Mm -hmm. and so like when you see someone who is good at his job and who can actually like bring something new to the table that is fun like it's good to know when they know the character exactly like the characterization is good and you know you are having a time like you're not Mm -hmm. bored with him Mm-hmm. And I think that's super important. I mean, I'd say A minus. I mean, he's got anyway, like that's, yeah. yeah, B plus, A minus. I'm trying to think of like someone I would give an A plus to. I would say Joshua Williamson on the Joshua Flash. Joshua Williamson. Yes. If we're grading him on like that ten point scale, I would put him at like a ninety. Like he's right yeah. at that boundary. Like he's like, up there. Yeah. Like, I get excited like whenever those an anniversary things come out, and I'm looking for like specific names. Like it'll be Joshua Williamson, it would be Scott Snyder, it'd be James Tinian, it would be Robert Venditti. Mm-hmm. For me, it's Paul Dini. Yeah. Paul Dini, Chuck Paul Dixon, Dini. Dan Jurgens also. And he doesn't do anything really. Just like makes you just want to rip him off the story and fling mm-hmm. him elsewhere. Well, yeah. He sounds like he likes the characters when yeah. he's writing them. You feel oh, yeah. that he enjoys them. And, like, yeah, not every story is going to be perfection. Like, there's going to be a couple ones that are hit or miss. There's going to be some that is just filler because that's just how it is. You're always going to have at least one filler issue. Definitely one of those writers that you're like, I trust you as a writer, and I know you're not going to make me not like this. Like, I'm going to put this down gently and be like, that was a good time. Yeah, because he's still so new as a writer. There's nothing that's like, oh my gosh, though there was one issue that really did wow me, and that was the annual for Justice League Dark. That was just such a solid story. I would say even issue 91 for Batman. Yeah. Because that was the whole flashback issue, and you had everybody in like their 90s mm-hmm. designs. Oh yeah, that was fun. 
you see him when it culminates together, you're like, yes, and it's just satisfying. Other most of his other issues, like ninety three, was like, eh, the story moved on. It was good. Puffy, what do you think about Batman? I think it's a liminal space in the entire arc, and I think it's a fun romp. I mean, <laughs> they shot my girl. I can't be that happy about it. <laughs> and also, Punchline sucks. Please get rid yeah. of her. I hate her. Yeah, so much. I definitely foresee all these Tinian characters dropping. Punchline may show up or she just may go off the deep end and become something entirely different mm-hmm. that other people use but mr teeth gunsmith the bat train i don't see, see this stuff sticking around i really love the bat luge though <laughs> i want to see the bat luge stay where batman is just riding crotch first into danger <laughs> and gravel on his face from just riding underneath cars down buildings Compared to what Joe's about to rip into. Oh, Joe. Yeah, we're going to bring it back to God real quick with uh, <laughs> Justice League number 47, written by who I said was one of my favorite writers, Robert Venditti, and the artist who blow me away a lot, Eddie Barrows. This is the conclusion to the past two issues that came out for Justice League involving the Spectre arc, where Jim Corrigan separated himself from the Spectre and decided to try and hide from God in Tartarus, which, of course, accidentally released a whole bunch of monsters and stuff, and the anger of the Spectre, because he needs to be tied to somebody. The spirit of vengeance is fueling anger across the entire globe this time. It's not just the Justice League and it's not just Demascara. And it has to fight the actual being known as Tartarus. Because not many people knew that, including Batman in this comic. Which really actually shocked me because he's Batman and he always knows everything. (laughs) I'm also really disappointed because it felt super quick. And I've noticed this actually. Venditti does like a two, three issue story arc. And I don't know if this is common for all uh, titles, but this is something I've been picking up on also with uh, Tomasi. Mm -hmm. Tomasi has a habit of that with Detective Comics. One of the main things I really liked was Eddie Barrows' art. That's something that I've been a fan of this entire arc. I wish that he will stick around as, like, the main artist for this even though i know venditti said that he would be mainly working with doug monk and i also liked seeing john stewart construct a one-man green lantern corps army (laughs) where he just made constructs of all the different lanterns including kilowog hal jordan kyle rayner i'm gonna get into the whole thing of the way corrigan decided that he was going to rebind himself to the specter but before i do so he does that he joins with the specter again and then all of a sudden it's as if all anger has lifted across the entire world (laughs) they show you england during a soccer game these two rival teams are going at it you see a pub people are rioting and fighting each other in the pub because that's what you do during a rival football game and then all of a sudden the specter is joined with corrigan again and they're all happy They're looking at each other like, oh my gosh, I don't even know why we were fighting. It's just a game. Hold on, I'll buy this round, and then I'm going to buy the next round. And then you see the United Nations, and politicians are arguing and throwing punches left and right. These two specific politicians, their countries never agreed with each other, so they already had qualms with each other. And then Spectre joins with Corrigan, and all of a sudden they're like, we can work together with peace. (laughs) Like... I'm sorry, 
if he was fueling your anger, okay, I get the fighting and everything. But once he's rejoined with Corrigan, shouldn't you guys just go back to how you were? What is this, like an episode of My Little Pony? I felt like <laughs> I was reading something fresh out of the 90s dare event or something. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Or this was like a crossover episode with G.I. Joe from the 80s. Like this is exactly how it all felt. All of a sudden everybody is hunky-dory with each other. The Justice League is going up against Tartarus. They don't see any way out of this because Corrigan still wouldn't join with the Spectre. And they all start apologizing to each other. Superman looks at Batman and he's like, I'm sorry I didn't tell you I was going to reveal my identity. I don't take back doing it. I just wish I told you. Batman's like, I shouldn't have let it fester. <laughs> and he has the poutiest face. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of it, Batman and John finally shake hands with each other and like, we don't have to see eye to eye on all things, but we just have to remember we're on the same team. <laughs> and Batman ends it with the Justice League is better together. And then Flash goes, what? always. And then it ends. <laughs> uh, gag me with a rusty spoon. This is just, ah. Uh. It's like watching He-Man. Trying to shove down those messages of friendship on everyone. And you just need them to look at the reader and be like, it's okay to not see eye to eye. Just remember you're on the same team. <laughs> now we know. It's Thanks, Venditti. <laughs> <laughs> Is this some sort of revenge for our current political climate? Oh my gosh, maybe. <laughs> there was that part where they're like they're all apologizing, including that part with Flash going. Oh, nice. <laughs> that was it. his apology. Like that's something people say about you, Flash. You can't just say I'm too nice to be mad. That's my character. <laughs> but then, like the fact that Kurgan sees them like all apologizing, he's like. You've taught me. Knowing you guys has changed me. And now I've learned to forgive. Now I have to say those little words. I forgive God. That's how he rejoins the Spectre. He sees all this destruction. He sees how the Justice League is apologizing to each other. How does that make any sense? <laughs> None. And we were looking at a couple reviews of the past issues that Venditti worked on, and the beginning of this arc, a lot of people said what I said when I reviewed it, which is how the Justice League was written very out of character when they were first getting fueled with the Vengeance's rage. Like, Superman thinking that he carries the whole team, and Wonder Woman hating that she's the only woman. It's really shocking, because I know Venditti's a good writer, he's done amazing work with Hawkman, and he's been doing amazing work with the Superman Man of Tomorrow. Like, those are amazing interpretations of him. And I don't know why, all of a sudden, when he comes to Justice League, he's crapping out here. Maybe he had less time to work on it? Last I checked, they get at least, like, four months' notice. At least. Is that for the at writers least. alone, or is that including artists? I think the writers have to let DC know who they would like to work with. I think that's how it works. But I know that the writers get a minimum of at least four months notice of like, hey, we would like to put you on this story. Or such and such is leaving right. after a certain time because of just personal reasons. Mm -hmm. After they're done with this story, you're gonna hop right in here. Well, but I mean, that probably doesn't include revisions and having to get it checked with editors. Yeah, but like with the Justice League one, at least, Scott Snyder knew that he was only going to be doing 40 issues because then he was going to work on mm. death metal. 
So he already had his whole thing. He's like, I'm going to write it until the end of Year of the Villain. Because then my attention is going to be on death metal. So you need to find somebody to fill that in. So they did have time. Mm-hmm. Compared to Tinian had time because they knew, but... Right. It was just like, hey, you think you can join 15 issues earlier? Eh, we, we don't really know the whole story. It's just disappointing. I mean, I gave this thing a 4 out of 10 because it was just so cheesy. And it didn't make any sense. And I was really looking forward to seeing more of the Spectre. I was hoping this would be at least like a five issue at the most like type of story arc. Because you have the Spectre, a spirit of vengeance of God, and you have Tartarus with all these mythical beasts coming out of it. And somehow it was able to just get quickly summed up into three short issues. That's not enough time for a story. I'm sorry. (laughs) How would you doctor this? Well, I would have had it, like, you already saw a couple monsters breaking free in the Antarctic in the first issue that Aquaman was fighting, and that's why he called the help of the Justice League. I would have had more scattered off across the Earth, and dealing with that, I would have had Tartarus actually break free Mm -hmm. out of Tartarus. Right. And finding out that maybe the Spectre wasn't going to be enough to help the Justice League stop him. I mean, that's what I would have done. I feel like you could have stretched that out. I know, but like, I feel like the premise was already kind of doomed because, okay, so you could probably do something with Corrigan running away from God a la Jonah, you know? Mm -hmm. Because we've seen that, you know, the story of Jonah where he runs away from God and then he finally realizes that he's been rebellious and he made a mistake and he goes back and he does what God told him and everything works out. There's like a little bit of a lesson in there about, mm-hmm. you know, playing judge and jury, which is what Jonah was doing. So we have something similar with Corrigan. Like he doesn't want to do what God wants him to do, which is to continue being the specter. So he runs away to Tartarus and he regrets his decision. But from there, the plot deviates pretty swiftly with God throwing sort of a little bit of a temper tantrum by pulling in the Justice League and getting them involved. Basically, we see the Spectre, you know, showing the Justice League everything and them having to go confront Corrigan with, like, no plan, really, Mm -hmm. which was terrible. And then Corrigan just kind of going, well, now I see everything because you guys forgave each other. And I need to learn to forgive, which implies that God kind of welched on their deal. He had an understanding, God had a different understanding, mm-hmm. and instead of working it out amongst them, he went to sulk, and he endangered everybody. Yeah, and it God. was basically kind of showing Corrigan, too. He was like, this is what happens if you don't work with me. There could have been a way to do that, where it, where it didn't make God look like a petty ex-lover. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, <laughs> like, because that is the spirit of vengeance. The spirit mm-hmm. of vengeance needs someone to bind themselves to him and so like how do you do that do you find someone else who will bind themselves to spirit this is very much what they do with dr fate right someone needs to be wearing the mask Mm -hmm. and also the green lanterns because one dies immediately it goes in search of another one true but the green won't cause chaos by itself Mm. the mask i remember causing chaos occasionally yeah when when it doesn't have a person to wear it and the owners get real sick of that mask Mm -hmm. so it makes sense that corrigan would get sick of his shroud but the spirit of vengeance would continue on. Right. Instead, what happens is it's very silly, like, okay, the spirit of vengeance is loose. Now everyone in the world wants to fight. Everyone across the entire planet is going to tear each other limb from limb. And there are no repercussions when Corrigan suddenly goes, yeah, never mind, I'll take up my mantle again. And then just 
Mm-hmm. Completely forgets about just how tiresome he hated it, just how much it took away from him. Happy to do it, and he even has like that boyish grin oh, on his face. Yeah, he has like a big creepy smile. He is like ready to go. Mm. He's like, "You guys have shown me the way." And he looks right into the camera, and it's really creepy. But like, if you wanted to do a story where you know man versus God, there's a better way to do that. I'm sure there's a way to do mm-hmm. it that is not offensive to everyone Mm -hmm. involved instead of him like being a god of mercy he's just kind of like this really annoying supervisor and (laughs) that's a pretty good metaphor i want to be mad about it like on behalf of dc but i also remember like a lot of their information about god came from like neil gaiman Mm. and that lucifer nonsense and uh sandman right those angels so Mm -hmm. There's that whole thing where you're getting already, like, sort of deviation from the original. So you're like, how much of Judeo-Christian God are they focusing on and how much of it is just what we learned from Lucifer? So I don't know. Anyways, regardless of the theology behind this story, (laughs) I don't think it worked as, like, an adventure story. No. As a Corrigan story. Like, the specter came off kind of weak. Insanely. Again, like, it just seems like one of those things. He just needs a tether. That's it. He has somebody's hand to hold, and he's okay. It could have done so much more with this, and I was really disappointed with it because it sounded so good. Hopefully the next arc is better. Maybe this is just a weird transitional hiccup. I would just really love an explanation as to why we're not focusing where Snyder left off, and that's something I've been wondering about this entire time. That's what I have to say. So now, Muse, because I know it's been a while, would you love to tell us about Marvel? So I covered this week Empire Avengers number zero. So it's kind of like the prologue issue and actually one of the first issues that we're getting leading up into the Empire event. That was supposed to happen back in April, but we all know what happened there. So the writer is Al Ewing. He's one of my favorite writers. Artist is uh, Pepe Larraz and Jim Chung. Main description is Tony Stark wakes up from uh, strange dreams as old allies make a distress call to the Avengers. Uh, in the new green area of the moon, the Kotei are waiting with news of a terrible enemy that could wipe out both them and humanity itself. And the Celestial Messiah has returned, but are the Avengers ready to hear his message? So I'm going to start out firstly with uh, things I didn't like because this is a massive thing. Um, I thought Tony Stark was dead. He wasn't? I thought he was too. According to, what was it, the Iron Man 2020? Because that's not him, that's his... His adopted half-brother? Arno, yeah. I don't know. Apparently, Tony is not dead and has apparently been living in the body of an old celestial. Uh, That might just be on lack of knowledge about the Avengers, because I don't really read the Avengers run that much, and potential weird hiccup writing on the Iron Man 2020. I don't know, because Tony Stark Iron Man has been on covers and promotional stuff for Empire. It's not his weird brother with the awkward gears Mm. on his shoulders and everywhere. So I don't know. 
and he's the main character of this. So he, this is all coming from his perspective, and we get a lot of interesting self-reflections and monologues, which I really enjoyed a lot of that because you see like his dreams and his internal monologue throughout all of this, mostly about destiny and faith and like the serenity of being amongst like untouched nature, which I'll get to in a bit. So it was really cool. I like Tony's role in all of this as someone who is a man of science and progress being amongst just pure nature and he was like I feel like I'm at peace here and it was kind of interesting but then my brain was like sending wee woo vibes and I'm like I've been reading way too much x-men so like I'm gonna be skeptical about anything but that was my first major gripe but most of this was really interesting because you don't really have to have too much background knowledge to read this at all you maybe would have a need to have read Incoming, issue one, back in the beginning of the year, and maybe the lead-up comic. So we get a bigger role into the perspective that the Koti play in this event. It goes more depth into the scroll's challenge to the Kree and the Koti on the moon, and how it went south. So back early comics, because the scroll, surprise, were actually not warmongering race. They were beings that wanted to bestow tech and their knowledge onto, I would say, like lesser beings. So they saw that the inhabitants of Hala, including the Kree and the Koti, didn't get along. We know about the Kree. The Koti are these weird little plant people things. They're kind of cute. So they sent them to the moon. This is this happened like millennia before humans were even like doing anything on Earth, and was like, all right, I want you to make do with this section of the moon. And they made it, like, have an atmosphere and everything, which is going to play an important role. With what they were given, the cream made um, an advanced civilization. They, while they themselves were just kind of very similar to Neanderthals and stuff, they used crude instruments to fight. The Koti made a garden. They made a bountiful garden on this beautiful planet. And the Koti technically won this bet by the Skrull. The Kree didn't like this. And they killed all of them. And then also killed the Skrull that were overseeing this. That's what started the whole Kree-Skrull war. Was this challenge of just, I want to bless you, but you're not getting along. So I need to figure out something. And it kind of went really south. Also, it kind of introduced the roles in the backstories of Swordsman, who's apparently was a previous Avenger, apparently was a double agent guy, got killed, but wasn't going to follow through with his evil plot to disrupt and kill the Avengers, and was blessed by becoming reseated as a Koti, and is technically a Koti, walking in a man's skin, kind of weird. But uh, he had a son with Mantis, who is Sequoia. And Sequoia believes to be, like, this new messiah, and is really weird. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely something lurking under the surface of the piece that uh, the Koti are apparently spouting, like, oh no, we're in danger, the Kree and the Skrull, they've made an alliance and they're gonna come for us. Which now I understand where the pyre bit of empire comes from, because they're probably going to try burning this new, beautiful, bountiful green place that they have built on the moon to restart their lives. Because Sequoia is calling himself like a messiah and the foretold one and who will save the universe from all evil. He says this line while talking to the Avengers. says, we complete this garden. It's the first step towards reclaiming all life kind. 
all that tread on the lands or swim in the seas or soar in the skies. There was some stuff that happened. I don't really recall too much because him coming was such a huge issue. But apparently while Carol was running around trying to figure out what this code meant, uh, she encountered a meeting going on between a scroll and a Cree, and a tree sprouted out of their bodies with a message saying, beware the trees. Swordsman was like, oh, that has nothing to do with us. Or if a couple of people want to just instill fear, they're kind of like, welcome to. That's like the vibe I got. And the Avengers, of course, are like, oh, we have to heed the call that they're giving us. And this issue really was starting to kind of connect a lot of the pieces of what happened in Incoming, really leading into what the conflict is going to be set in Empire. There's also interesting parallels to the last time the Avengers were on this part of the moon. Apparently there's been stuff that's happened in this area before in old history uh, that was touched on in a previous issue that was trying to explain a lot of what was going on. But yeah, that was kind of it. It was mostly really, it was a prologue, it was an interlude. It was trying to build into Empire. So it's kind of them taking their stance because I think soon we're supposed to get a Fantastic Four one and it seems like the Fantastic Four is siding with the Kree and the Skrull. Because uh, you see a little spread of them flying in their ship with the armada that's coming to Earth. I'm guessing this is going to be like after the whole X-Men situation they're currently dealing with. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> the X-Men are getting involved as well, though, because uh, it seems like a lot of this is going to be on the moon. Oh, right. Who has a moon base? Mm-hmm. I've seen cover art of some x-men stuff and it has like wolverine and cyclops and i'm like okay clearly this fight is encroaching into their little space habitat on the moon and they're not happy so everyone's got diplomatic immunity on the moon charles (laughs) (laughs) god but when it comes to the creepy just like the tree message thing Carol Danvers is the one who brings this up because she encountered it and was, like, kind of trying to grill Swordmaster, like, how much can we trust you? And then he gives his excuse, and she still seems skeptical looking at Tony, and Tony's like, she's got that look on her, like, she knows everything. I see that in the mirror every time I wake oh up, oh, and I know I'm right. <sighs> and you're like, oh, okay. And she, of course, then, despite having some wavering reasons for supporting this, she's fine. She turns to Tony afterwards and is like, do you want to say the words? And he's like, I got a speaker in this for a reason. And then is like, Avengers Assemble. I would love for everyone to be like, Tony? <laughs> You're alive? <laughs> like, we, we barely got any of, like, some of the other characters. Like, I did like how Ghost Rider was just confused out of his mind. Like, this guy is like, what is going on? Because he hasn't been an Avenger. And they're like, didn't you read the files? And it's like, guys, that's years of files of previous things. Like, why is he just going to sit down and have a study session? I don't know much about these characters. But yeah, that's the issue zero for Empire Avengers. I would give it like a 7.58-ish. It was pretty good. Really enjoyed the art. Coloring was great. It was a good setup. There was just some things that made me scratch my head a little bit, but I don't know a lot of these Avengers characters, except like Cap and Thor and Iron Man, really. Chitalda was there, and he was being a kitty in the bushes at one point. I was like, okay, what are we doing? But it was more of the story, really. Uh, The retelling through the dreams, through dialogue and backstory and flashbacks and stuff like that. That was pretty much the whole purpose of this. Well, thank you for that. I know that you're probably going to be picking up 
everything with this event as long as it stays good. I have so many covers of issue one and Emperor Hulkling, like a single issue already pre-ordered and I need to go back <laughs> to the store and actually let them know for the other covers because I was supposed to do that and then big old COVID got in the way with that. So I was like, I don't know. I can't go to the store. I can't tell them what I if want. My so now I can't. So past two packages prove anything is that if you ordered it, you will get it because I just recently mm-hmm. got the Catwoman 80th and the Joker 80th in the mail. I'm probably going to go next week and actually pick up my comics because there's been like a month of comics. I need to go pick I have them to up. order a couple comics too, actually. And speaking of... V, what comics are coming out this week? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. Let's see, what's coming out this week? This week we got Aquaman 60. That was good. Batgirl 46. Batman Beyond 44. That was good too. And Batman the Smile Killer. I did not read that yet. That one you've been talking about though. Well, it's because I just heard of it coming out. So this is number one written by Jeff Lemire and the art is from Andrea Sorrentino. And it's supposed to be the conclusion of Jeff Lemire's Batman story stuff, which I didn't even know he was writing. I only read the previous one, The Killer Smile. It was like a two-book issue thing on the Joker. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, I asked someone in the... Because I like Jeff Lemire, and I was um, in my comic shop, and I asked this clerk what he thought about it, and he goes, reviews, reactions from patrons have been mixed. Um, Most of them are kind of bleh, but then mm. some of them hate it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess I won't pick it up then. <laughs> so maybe the smile killer is like him getting his groove. I definitely want to read it just I to give it a chance. Yeah, especially because it's the conclusion too. So there's not going to be any other ones after this. Mm. It's a nice easy one-off to do. Yeah. All right. So Batman the Smile Killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have from the Sandman universe, The Books of Magic 20. I have not been keeping up on that. I don't read it at all. I really liked the beginning of it. I should. Flash 756. That was getting really good now. And of course, Green Lantern, 80th anniversary, 100-page special. Super spectacular. Which we are going to read. Uh Uh-huh. I know. (laughs) And hopefully have a little surprise, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, number two. Which I'm so confused about because this was supposed to be a one-shot. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. It was just supposed to be like a spin-off thing of the movie. They've been saying it's a one-shot. I'm pretty sure Palmiotti worked on it along with Amanda Connor. Yeah, I thought it was supposed to be a one-shot as well. When you when you sent me the list to put it up on the Tumblr. It said one-shot. I mean, unless they mean like just the story as a whole. Maybe. Or they just don't know how to advertise. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen, uh, that's better than the alternate because it's like, get it now. Well, it's hot. It's the only time. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but maybe it just got like too good of a reaction. Or maybe there was some How? Back- no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to dive into that. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the birds okay. of prey hurt him. So let's talk about something else. How about John Constantine, Hellblazer number seven? I actually dropped that oh. two issues ago. Well. It was hard to follow. That's okay. Like, it was... The art was really pretty, but I just couldn't follow the story. I don't like John Constantine that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justice League Dark, number 23. It was okay. It felt kind of rushed, but uh, Swamp Thing's back. So that's, that's always a bonus. <laughs> These are the kind of updates I need. Uh, Black Label has two. Uh, the Low Low Woods, number six, and The Plunge, number four. Mm-hmm. Which, both horror, I think. Yep. So neither of you would yeah. touch that. Nope. All right, all right. I tried um, the Dollhouse Family. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's to be expected. All right. Red Hood (laughs) Outlaw number 46. Jeez. Mm -hmm. Already. Um, (laughs) Dropped that sucker a while ago. Yeah. Has anybody been watching that guy? No. Not since the year the villain tie-in. Who knows where he's Yeah, that's when I stopped. All I know is that Jason's dad's around. Yeah, he is. He didn't die. Oh my gosh. He's an asshole. Ugh, he could have been at home with his terrible dad instead of <laughs> dying in Joker's hands. Now we know. Suicide Squad number six? I didn't read that. I dropped that after the first issue, too. Mm. It was too gruesome. Really? Well, it's written by Tom Taylor. Oh, but you like Tom Taylor's stuff. I do, but I still feel like he works better out of continuity. Okay, that's fair. Um, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. We love it. Nope. Uh, no we don't Uh, Teen Titans 42 I honestly just picked the one issue of that okay so nobody knows where Damien is no do you know where your kids are (laughs) social distancing we certainly don't we know where Nightwing is that's enough for everyone and Muse what Marvel titles do we have coming out so we had Captain America Marvel Snapshots number one the Immortal Hulk 34, Iron Man 2020 number 4, mm-hmm. Spider-Ham number 5, based off of the first issue. I heard Spider-Ham's really good. I was tempted good, to pick so. that up. Yeah, the week it came out, it was sitting like right at the thing. thing like, Comic of the week, and I was like, oh, it looks so cute. So if you if you like anything Spider-Ham, or, but if you if you like Mulaney's Spider-Ham, go pick up Spider-Ham. I've I heard there's a lot of influence from I that. I should pick so. up Spider-Ham then. <laughs> Mulaney fanboy. <laughs> yeah, really. I say Mulaney, and he's like, must read. Uh, <laughs> we also had Star Wars Bounty Hunters number three, and then Thor number five, and 2020 Rescue number two. I don't know why Iron Man is Iron Man 2020, but Rescue is 2020 I don't understand Rescue, that and either. Like, and then you also have 2020 Force Works. Like, have it in the same order. Like, why did they put the 2020 in it? Like, I love how... They're immortalizing in comics one of the worst years in history. My <laughs> only guess is that it's not going to see 2021. No, it's probably going to see 2021 with all of these like. Oh, now back maybe, things. yeah. The only title I read so far from Marvel was Thor, and that like I don't get it. I really don't. I don't understand these Marvel titles going on right now. It seems like there's just these overlooming like plots going on. That seemed so, like, in-depth and intense, but I don't understand what's going on. I don't care. That's why I'm not touching, like, the Avengers stuff. I'm like, I'm gonna stay in this weird bubble called the X-Men, which is also I weird. left that bubble because it was too weird for me. That was a weird bubble. At least it's not as bad as the X-Men Yellow, X-Men Blue that we had back in, like, 2016, 17, 18. <laughs> Still have some of those. Those were, oh, those were awful. Like... Uh, X-Men Red was the only good thing that came out. It was like 12 issues or something. It was really short. And of course it was written by Tom Taylor. And oh. just kind of over there doing oh. the thing. And sadly, I could not find anything about like what comics were coming out next week. I don't know if the sources just need to update later in the week or something. But next week will be a mystery. But it actually doesn't matter because we're going to be reading Green Lantern. So hopefully comics will be coming back for us in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Court of Outlets. 
You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr at Court of Outlets. Let us know which comic you want us to cover next week, and make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcasts. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.